talk to God like what's next for me. I'm just fulfilling my destiny. Destiny, 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 destiny. Fulfilling my destiny, yeah. I talk to God like what's next for me. I'm just fulfilling my destiny. Destiny, 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 destiny. I'm just fulfilling my destiny. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Dustin with Step Up to Greatness Podcast, Episode 3. As you know, I usually interview people that do inspiring work or inspire others with what they do. I'm going to switch it up a little bit different as the person that I'm going to talk to today is inspiring me because he's going all in on his dream and betting on himself by moving to Chicago to pursue a career in comedy. I had the pleasure of working with Greg in the past. Now I'm just excited to see where he's going with his future. Greg Kennedy, what's up, man? Welcome to Step Up to Greatness. Awesome. So how's things going out there in Chicago so far? How long ago did you move out there? Chicago has been great. I have lived here for almost three and a half weeks now, and uh, it's been, you know, quite a change. Very different from Cleveland. It's a lot bigger, but I, uh, I love it. I'm having so much fun. Awesome. So one thing I want to ask you is, what was your upbringing like, and how do you think that affected your career choices as an adult? college, right? Yeah, I have a bachelor's degree in emergency management and homeland security, which is counterterrorism and disaster relief. And I uh, <laughs> I interned for a county as an emergency manager, and um, I just, I really, really didn't like it. They offered me a position after the internship, and I denied it. And I moved back home with my parents, and I ended up working at a record shop making minimum wage, and I was, I was very happy with, with that, honestly. Go figure. You don't want to do anything for counterterrorism or emergencies, but you enjoy working a record shop, you know? <laughs> just like to do the, the bare minimum always. <laughs> <laughs> now, growing up with your siblings and stuff, were you always trying to entertain your, your mom? Like, were you always trying to outdo your, your siblings? Oh, yeah. I was the, the entertainer. I'm the youngest of three, I have an older sister and an older brother, and uh, and I was always the one that was going out of my way to make them laugh, and uh, I think I gave my parents the most grief. Uh, growing up in school, you know, going to school and everything, I was always in trouble for for talking, you know, or, or just standing up and speaking out of turn, making jokes. I was always in the office, always... Uh, always in trouble. My brother and my sister were very different. They, they did good in school, they got good grades, and they, they were never in trouble, so <laughs> quite different. And what kind of career paths did your brother and sister take? Uh, my sister works for as a social worker for a very long time. She actually just recently quit, and she is a massage therapist now, and my brother works for the food bank, um, and he's been there for quite some time, too. So they... they picked a job and they stayed there pretty much the entire time whereas like I said I 
every every year I'm like, I, I think I'm going to do something different now. <laughs> now, how has that affected your relationship with your parents and you and your siblings? They never really cared um, about that at all. Um, just having a job, they, they just want me to be happy. Um, and they know that I'm bouncing around because this those jobs aren't where I want to be. I've always wanted to do comedy. I've always wanted to be in the entertainment business. So when I get put into these jobs, I do a good job and I usually, you know, work my way up and I get promoted and things. But then I get to a point where I don't feel fulfilled because it's not truly what I'm passionate about. So I, I always just end up leaving and trying to do something different in hopes that maybe I would find a little bit more happiness doing something differently. Well, that's definitely awesome that your parents support you that way and they want you to be happy like that. I, I can tell you as a youngest son myself and, you know, having two brothers that both finished college and everything is, you know, I kind of always joked around with my, my parents saying, oh, I was the black sheep of the family and they'll be the quickest to shut that joke down on me and say, no, we just want you to be happy and they, they love me and where I'm at and kind of trying to help people in any way I can, you know, with, with fitness or just with whatever is going on with their life. And so I can speak from experience. I know how great it is to have parents that love you like that and definitely want you to be happy. So that's, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I love my parents and my family. They are just very supportive and they've done so much for me and everything that I've ever told them I was going to do, they've, they've just been a hundred percent support. And it, it is great because I know that, a lot of people don't have that so I'm truly blessed in that aspect so what about the other side of it are there times where you've made a joke or said a joke and your parents have just gone oh Greg come on <laughs> yeah uh, it's easy to offend anybody my family uh, my family is fairly you know they're pretty religious my cousins everyone is, is very religious and I, I mean I am religious too but I also have always been the type of person where I'm just going to say what I think I should say and I am trying to be funny but sometimes you're just going to offend people and I've definitely said jokes and gotten messages <laughs> uh, from angry family, family members and you know there's only so much I can do though I, I always just tell them hey I am who I am and I'm, I'm going to say this I'm not taking it back. I'm sorry if this has offended you, but I'm not gonna. I'm never gonna censor my show, myself uh, for other people. Some people are gonna like it. Some people aren't gonna like it, and I'm completely fine with that. Have you ever regretted one of your jokes or anything that you've said that did offend people? I I don't think so. I don't think I've ever said anything and said, "Wow, I really shouldn't have said that." Because even with my comedy, I I don't say anything crazy offensive. And it's, if it is, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said, I don't know. I don't think that, I just don't think like that. In my world, like, I'm always just trying to be funny. So everything that I'm saying in the sense of that is just me trying to be funny. It's a joke. So if someone gets offended, it's the only thing I'd say is I don't really mean it. It was a joke to make people laugh, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, as we're talking about this, uh, uh, offensive offensivity that's not probably not even a word so there is some material for you but the subject of being offensive 
what do you think, being a comedian and the whole outrage that came out uh, about a week or two ago with uh, the whole Jake Paul thing uh, over in China? I I can't believe that he would even post that. See, now that's not funny. Um, he should have. The fact that he took the camera and he went up to the guy's face and he's filming the face in there, they're laughing in front of the dead body like that. That just comes along the line with common sense. That's somebody's father, somebody's brother, somebody's you know. That's somebody's family member that is has died and they're standing in front of him. Laughing, I could not believe it, and like I, it takes a lot for me to to say anything like that. I'm, I mean, I am very, very, you know, I don't get offended or, and I wasn't offended. I just, I think that that was a very, very bad call, and he should have shut that down immediately. That video should have never even been posted. Right. I agree. I agree. So, to switch modes here, um, a lot of people think they're funny. But what do you think is the trait that allows comedians to distinguish the difference between a good joke teller and an actual comedian? Oh man, and that there's so many crazy people uh, in comedy, you know, in Cleveland and in Chicago as well that they they think they're funny, and sometimes you're just you know you're just not funny. Um, I've been doing comedy for a while now, and anyone can be funny in real life you know, just hanging out with friends and making jokes and all, but when it comes to stand-up and, and things like that, it really comes down to if you're a good writer. Can you can you have a premise and can you start a story off, have a joke that works? Um, so when I go to comedy shows now, it's I'm a very terrible audience member. I, I rarely laugh, but it's not because they're not being funny, it's just I'm listening to the joke in a completely different uh, sense, you know? So there's always going to be those people that, that come around and they, they do the, their jokes and they think they, they got it. And <laughs> I mean, all you can do is just tell them to keep on trying, I guess, you know? Right. So what is your process like for writing your jokes and then figuring out how to put them in order for a set? Um, I write jokes, like, uh, a couple different ways. Like if I say something funny in a conversation, uh, I always have a book in my back pocket. So if I say something that's funny, I usually make a note of it and then I'll try to, um, you know, work it and see if I can make a joke out of it where it would work on stage. Because just because I said something funny in a conversation doesn't mean that it's going to be funny on stage. Right. So I, I do that. And then also just, you know, premises as well like you could just take like a like a very basic premise like I ride the subway every day you could just take the subway and try to work a joke out that way um, so there's, there's a million different ways to do it uh, and I definitely experience or uh, experiment with with as many ways as possible that's awesome that's the whole question yeah yeah no that's that's great well, well what about putting them in order for a set do you and I know I've saw you one time uh and you kind of had a piece of paper up there with you and stuff like just kind of reminding you of your jokes but have you kind of gotten to the point where you're you're putting them more in of a in a set uh established order or are you still working from paper or just from memory and actually i 
remember that show that you you came to. I was still very very new, and there's that sense of fear of forgetting your set when you first start. So you take the paper up there and just have your notes up there. And I take my I'll take paper and notes up there during open mics and things like that, but not not if I'm you know booked on a show. I don't need it anymore. Like I said, I've been doing it for a while, so I'm very comfortable. But setting it up like it, you know, setting up a set becomes easy when if you have like three main points you just know that you're you got to hit those main points like i usually start my set off talking about the jobs that i've had and then that usually leads into like me getting older and i talk about my family for you know a couple minutes and then i'll talk about being single so like my three main points of my set right now are the jobs i've had being single and my parents and then once i know that those are in my head like it's pretty much just coasting it from there and that just comes from doing comedy every day. I, I try to go out and hit one show, one or two shows every single night. Wow. So it's definitely in my head by the by the time that I need it, you know? Absolutely. And it's not to say that it was wrong for you to have, you know, paper up there with you, because I remember listening to uh, a Mitch Hedberg CD, and, you know, it was a CD he was recording, and he knew it, and he was still... You know, looking at his paper and stuff like, oh, no, I did that one. Okay, I, I did that yeah, one. Absolutely, yeah. It's not uncommon. And like I said, there are shows that people bring up paper all the time. It's just uh, just depends on where you're at in your career and, you know, what you're working on. Maybe you're doing a, a completely new 10 minutes and, and it's not in your head and you just kind of want to have that up there just in case, you know? Absolutely. So as you mentioned, you've kind of bounced around on, on different jobs and stuff while pursuing the the comedy thing and i just remember from you being in cleveland you hosted a lot of comedy shows around the cleveland area as well as traveled uh to do some different shows did any of them stand out to you as a moment that made you think like yeah i, I really can't do this for a career this i'm gonna make it through yeah i mean i started running some shows uh in cleveland like you said i i ran an open mic uh this borrow tools and then i also was running a show with Bill Squire at Barrio, um, and I was getting paid for that, and just from doing those shows alone, I could pay my rent from running those two shows. Um, with, as you know, as that progressed, I started getting booked at a comedy club in Akron uh, fairly often, and uh, it just, I, I mean, I worked really hard at it, so opportunities kept getting presented, and then um, my, my very last job they would not work with me i was working at an indoor trampoline park and they <laughs> would not work with me on my hours at all and um I, I kept asking and kept asking and then one day i couldn't do it anymore and i i didn't have a job lined up i didn't have anything you know waiting for me i just quit i quit my job i, I gave my two weeks and i was nervous i was very nervous but i survived without a job for eight months just doing comedy alone, and then uh, after eight months, I decided to leave Cleveland and to move to Chicago, um, and now I have to have another job because it's very expensive out here. <laughs> <laughs> so while you're still living in Cleveland and, and you quit that job at the trampoline park and stuff um, to pursue comedy full-time, and then you moved to Chicago to pursue it even more, which, which of those changes was more nerve-wracking for you? Coming to Chicago was terrifying because I also didn't have a job lined up here either, and I know how expensive it is. So when I was coming out here, I sold 
my car. I sold um, everything. My, I gave my bed to my parents. I put. I, I sold dressers. I, I literally came to Chicago with two boxes and some clothes, and uh, I am currently sleeping on an air mattress, and uh, I gave my buddy one month's rent, and I had enough extra money for some food, and within seven days, I actually got a job, um, and now I still am waiting for that first paycheck, because I've only been here for a couple weeks, but that was truly terrifying, having that up in the air of can I even make it a month out here, you know? Mm-hmm. And has there been any point where you've thought in your head, all right, you know what, this, this isn't what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I need to go back. No, it, it, luckily it never got to that point. Um, cause like I said, getting, getting hired seven days into being here, I, I immediately calmed down. I knew that I was going to have a paycheck coming in. I knew I was going to be able to cover my rent. Um, I may be a little late on this next month, but my roommate is very fine with that because he knows that I am trying to still get on my feet. That's awesome. It's, it's good you have that support there, man. It, it is. The support, uh, I mean, all around is, is truly incredible. I, I couldn't imagine, you know, doing this. I couldn't have done this without them giving me this opportunity to come out here. That's awesome. So you mentioned Bill Squire. He's of the Alan Cox Show, correct? Yes. Um, so I, I know you did a show with uh, with Alan Cox and them before in the past, Bill Squire. Um, what's the biggest like mainstream comedian you've met so far? Um, I meet a lot of comedians just hanging out at Hilarities when I was in Cleveland because uh, they get headliners to come in all the time. Um, Bobby Lee was in town. That was cool. We we all kind of hung out, uh, which was kind of neat. Tom Green came to town, and I had a brief conversation with him. I had a conversation with Sinbad. That was that was pretty cool. Uh, I talked to him about the movie Kazam, which doesn't exist, but people think that Kazam does exist. And it's a movie about he was a genie, and all these people remember him being in a movie called Kazam and it's not real. So I talked to Sinbad about that for a long time and he, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, but I, I worked with, you know, some comedians like I've opened up for, uh, Don Jameson. He's on VH1, uh, that metal show. Emo Phillips I opened up for, which was pretty cool. He's a comedian from the eighties. He was in like weird owl movies and things like that. Um, <laughs> comedy festival in Indiana that I got accepted to they had you know, they had like 300 submissions and they picked 60 people and I got in so that felt awesome. pretty good that's awesome but I'm still working on getting on getting into more clubs and and trying to work with you know bigger names um, I, I left Cleveland with you know I was making a lot of strides in Cleveland but I also felt like I was just kind of running on a treadmill because the market is so small in Cleveland so in a sense, I'm almost starting completely over coming to Chicago because no one knows who I am. I, I have no pool at all in this city. So, whereas if in Cleveland I come home, I can get, probably get on, you know, any show that I'd really ask for. But out here, I'm kind of starting at the bottom and and going to shows and going to going dead last to try to prove myself. You know. 
It's kind of funny you mentioned running on a treadmill because I remember working with you at the gym and you did not do cardio. <laughs> no. no, I don't like cardio and I don't have a car out here and I walk probably five or six miles a day and it's, it's, kind of, it's something else. I don't know if I like it. <laughs> I say that sounds like hell to you instead of uh, a good time. So it's <laughs> <laughs> it's alright. It's getting me in shape. I've put the gym off for uh, quite some time now. I haven't I haven't tr- truly had some time, and and I, I know I'm losing weight. I can feel it I'm getting light on my toes at least. So <laughs> <laughs> so we we mentioned some of uh, comedians that you've met and everything. Um, are there, who are some other comedians, either past or present, that inspire you or that you think people should look up their material if maybe we haven't heard of them before? Oh, man. If you're thinking, like, locally, there's some great comics in just Cleveland. Like, you should check out Bill Squire's stand-up. He, he does a bunch of free shows in Lakewood and Cleveland every single day. You could easily find shows like that uh, just from following him on social media. Another local... Mary Santora, she uh, she was voted Cleveland Scene's best female comic two years in a row. She's an absolute killer. And then like, on a bigger scale, people that are inspiring me right now, I really like Hannibal. I think Hannibal's really, really funny. Uh, obviously, Tom Segura is, is killing it. And then I, I really do like uh, Tom Green a lot. I got to see Tom Green at Hilarities, and I grew up watching the Tom Green show, and uh, it was it was cool to see him doing stand-ups and because he's, you know, he's not very relevant anymore, but uh, he is still working, and uh, he cracked me up. He, at his start of his set, he he came out and sang, used to call me on my cell phone. He sang the whole song. <laughs> and everyone thought he was just going to sing a part, but he sang the whole song, and then he was looking at everyone, and then the this, this song started again, and he acted like he was going to sing it again, and I was, I was cracking up. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's hilarious. So most specials that you see on HBO or, or Netflix are about an hour to hour and a half long. What's the longest set you've done so far? The longest set I've ever done was a half an hour. I uh, I headlined this show, this bar show, uh, and it was okay. It was it was a bar show, so you can only do so much. People, a lot of the people when you do shows like that, it's a surprise comedy show. They didn't know like there's comedy they just kind of go to that part of drink and then someone goes up on stage and like hey we're gonna get the show started in five minutes and they're like what what's going on <laughs> but uh just to do a half hour and to know that i had a half hour material felt great that because uh i've been doing comedy for about two years so i think i have 15 minutes a year that's pretty that's pretty good gathering <laughs> material <laughs> Um, so where do you see yourself going from here? What's, what's your dream? Is it, you know, to have a special, is it to be on, uh, have your own sitcom? What, what's, what's your dream from here? Um, I love stand up so much and I want to be a part of it as long as I can. And I would love to have a special and to, to be a touring comic, but I also know how hard it is and how competitive it is. So I also want to start doing other things as well. I have signed up for some classes out here for Second City and this other theater, the IO Theater. A bunch of people have gone through the TSA. Chris Farley, have, you know, Stephen Colbert have all gone through these theaters. Um, so I've signed up for their writing programs. I'm going to try to do some acting. 
um, all while still doing stand-up. So I'd like to be stand-up. I'd love to get into acting. Um, but all, ultimately, if, if it came down to it, and I, if I could be a writer for a show, that would be ideal. If none of that's even possible, and I could just be involved in stand-up business, maybe doing bookings at a club, honestly, to me, that's I've made it. Because I just want to be a part of this business. So any opportunity honestly for me would be great i would take it all that's awesome i did note uh this morning through social media seeing that a fellow comedian a, a friend of yours apparently passed um i figured i'd give you an opportunity if you want to share a, a memory about uh your friend just kind of show some respect to him and and uh as he was probably influenced on on you and where you're at right now absolutely yeah um so his name was Nick Ramsey. He was a, a newer comedian. He'd probably been doing it for for a year. Uh, he's a younger guy. He was a vet, and he'd come and he was he was funny, man. He was really really funny. And I ran the open mic, and he'd always come to my open mic, and he'd skateboard up to my open mic. And when I'd introduce him, I was like, "This next comedian just kick flipping his way on the stage." <laughs> and it was such a dumb joke, but it would make him laugh. And uh, I don't know with with comedy I've, I've found that there's a lot of depression in this this scene uh, I feel like the people who try to make you laugh the most are sometimes the ones struggling the most on the inside and that's why we try to make people laugh so it's you know it's truly sad and I, I you know my thoughts and prayers are with his family I uh, when you hear a story like that you just wish that you could have said something or, or maybe just shown him a different, a different path or anything, and I, it's it's so sad. I I feel like every year we we all hear some something about like a a comedian you know committing suicide, and it, it's just it's terrible. And I just think for everybody, there's there's always another way, and there's always someone there that wants to help and will always listen. So if anyone's ever struggling with that, you know, reach out to somebody, reach out to a hotline, call me. It doesn't doesn't matter. To take your own life is just it should not be an option. I was gonna go with that. That was that just hit me real hard, man. Um, that's that's awesome that you had that relationship with him when when he did, and uh, definitely a, a a sad story. And just a second, what Greg said just. You know, there are hotlines to call, people to reach out to and stuff. So please just, you know, think about the people that, you know, are going to miss you. They're, you know, they're there because they love you. So, um, absolutely. With, uh, with you making that, that big jump and, and just pursuing your, your all out dream and stuff, some people are going to be a little nervous to, to do that. Um, what is your piece of advice for those that are maybe a little bit too nervous or, or scared about taking a taking a leap? What would you What would you say to those people? You should always do what you want to do. If there's something in your life that you've always wanted to do, but you've always been too nervous to do it, you should just take the jump and just and try it out. Honestly. The first time I did stand-up, I threw up in the bathroom. I was so nervous. I was I was absolutely sick uh, stage, and I remember the feeling. I could not control my uh, 
my body, my legs were shaking. It was, it was terrifying. And I actually had a really, really great set. And the club that I did it at was the open mic at a club. They asked me to come back and that felt great. I've been doing it every single day for about two years and it gets easier. And I love my life. I love my life so much. I'm involved in with what I've always wanted to do. And I don't ever regret anything. If you have something that you want to do, I'm telling you, it's hard at first and it's scary because it's new and we're all in a routine where we don't want to switch things up, but it is great to switch things up and you should absolutely do it. Awesome. Great advice. Great advice. But you threw up though. How was it? Vomit on your sweater already? My spaghetti? I, uh, I knew I was going up in like two more people and uh, I, I couldn't handle it. It was the, the club that I did it, it was packed. It was like a weird night. I think the club fits 125 people and for that night, for some reason, there's 125 people in there. And it was my first time ever doing stand-up and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And I, I don't know, I just couldn't handle it and I went up on stage and I blacked out completely. I don't remember what I said, but I remember my friend recording it and watching it, and I did really well. And then the next time I did it, I bombed. I bombed completely because I got really cocky. I'm like, this is easy, man. I got this. <laughs> and then I, I don't think I got one laugh the next time I went. <laughs> Teach you to stay humble, man. Teach you to stay humble. <laughs> where can people find out more information about you and where you're playing or what? you guys should follow me on instagram at greg k comedy um like i said as of right now i am new to the city so getting on shows is kind of hard i am just doing open mics and things right now but that i promise you is just temporary um i have actually been going to a comedy club right downtown chicago called the comedy bar and they have been booking me uh on tuesdays which is just tuesdays but Eventually, hopefully, that leads to you know, shows on the weekends, and if I get opportunities like that, I will absolutely be posting those on my Instagram page. And hopefully, uh, Bill Squire or some of the guys will be able to get you back here every now and then for a show out here. Yes, absolutely. That would be great. I probably should talk to them about that and get some money, right? <laughs> absolutely. Although, it probably would cost you money to get back here, but you know, maybe... Yeah, I would end up losing. I would lose money, <laughs> Maybe maybe mom and dad can help you out a couple more times, you know. I'm getting close, too close to thirty. I think they're getting annoyed with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've talked to your dad a few times. That guy loves you, so I think you'd look yeah, out for him. Yeah, he's the best man. Once you give us some of your stuff, we're gonna let you go for say uh, three to five minutes wherever you're comfortable. And oh, you guys don't want you don't want that. It's uh to do comedy on the the phone and to hear no laughs. I. It's hard enough to do the laughs when no one laughs when they're staring at you. <laughs> <laughs> but you can definitely find some clips of my stand-up, like I said, on my Instagram as well. I'm super funny, guys. You just trust me, all right? <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> Greg, I'm glad to hear you're doing well. I'm glad to hear you're laughing. And uh, just keep it up, man. Keep pursuing that dream. You know, you got all your friends at your old uh, gym family rooting for you keep it going alright thanks a lot Dustin thanks for having me on the show I'm glad to hear that you're doing so well keep on uh, 
keep on keeping on keep this podcast going this is awesome man appreciate it i'll talk to you later man all right take care you too all right everyone that concludes another episode of the step up to greatness podcast i want to thank again my guest comedian greg kennedy you can follow him on instagram at greg k comedy greg brought up a couple points i want to highlight again the first being our mental health if you or someone you know is having thoughts of self-harm or suicide please get help you can visit the national suicide prevention lifeline online or call 24 7 at 1-800-273-8255 please know there are people who care and want to help secondly why we're here greg is going after his dream if there's something you're passionate about and feel called to do start going after it even if you only do a little bit each day you're still moving towards it and let me know if i can help in any way to get you going that's what i want to do in the meantime keep moving forward and step up to greatness